Hi, and welcome to 9 to 42, the podcast from the team at the Guitar Show UK. Join us for interviews, updates and chat with artists, influencers and those that manufacture the gear that we love. Hello and welcome to 9 to 42, the podcast from the guys at the Guitar Show UK. Um, I'm looking at my good friend Jason Hunt on screen, uh, Big Cheese, uh, the Grand Fromage from the Guitar Show. Uh, that's not going away, Jace, we're sticking with it. Oh, how great. I'm all right, thanks. Um, how are you? I'm really well. I'm, I'm, I'm hot. I'm hot. Are you it's... the Petit Fromage then? If I'm the Grand Fromage. I, I, what, what were those Dairy Lee that weren't Dairy Lee? I'm a laughing cow. You're a baby bell. A baby bell. <laughs> oh, I like baby bell, provided you don't insert the word end. Onto it. So uh, I'm fine with I'm fine with baby bell. Uh, yeah, probably I'm actually. Um, no, no, I'm a fine mature something. Uh, but anyway, we've already got sidetracked. In fact, that's a question we can ask our guest in a second. And uh, with us is Lee Wraith. And Lee Wraith is Director of Marketing at, uh, at Headstock, um, except Headstock isn't just Headstock, is it? It does a, incorporates a lot of things. Um, so afternoon, Lee, how are you? I'm very well. Warm. It, it is, is warm, warm, isn't it? It's a warm day in the UK, depending on where you're listening to it. It's a rare, you know, occurrence. And it's currently about 32 degrees outside and about it's... probably 35 inside where I'm sat. So if you're watching this, if you're watching this as opposed to listening to it, you'll be able to tell. Um, as a rule, we don't release the video. We might have to now. <laughs> that's, that's just created. Thanks, Lee. You've created more work. For uh, um, for reference, we're on. It's the thirty-first of July. Um, hence the hence the reason it's warm. So this might not go out for a few weeks and, uh, from now. So if you you know if it's pissing down and it's September and you're wondering why we're saying it's warm, that's that's the reason. That's the, sorry, guys, messing messing up your. Oh no, no, you fine. Our, our entire podcast life is out of sequence, so I shouldn't I shouldn't worry about it. There's there's, there's nothing professional about anything that we do, so don't don't, don't give that a second. Welcome to my world. Welcome to your world. So we we'll start with a biggie. What what does being director of marketing at, at Headstock Distribution in uh, entail? Ooh, it's almost what doesn't it in some okay. respect? So Headstock is a distribution company. Uh, and they distribute uh, Laney amplification. Uh, we're based in Birmingham in the UK, which is Jason's hometown. Am I right? It is indeed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You spoke. You've spoken about this already on the on the podcast, haven't you? About uh, musical exchanges when you were talking with good old Simon. Oh, you listened to it? I did. did. Yeah. How could I not listen to the legend that is Simon Bradley? <laughs> ah, yeah. That's got that episode has gone really well. Really, yeah, really, really well. He's brilliant. I've got I'm some, getting I've... paranoid because I hardly talk in it. So I'm I'm <laughs> sorry. sorry. No, I'm just getting concerned, getting concerned nobody likes me. So I'm just gonna replace you with Bradders. <laughs> yeah, it makes, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Tales from the bus. Yeah. So um yeah, headstock basics, laney amplification, fifty-two years. Uh, it's been going now. And then they took on the uh, became a distributor for Ibanez. Goodness knows how long ago now. Probably twenty years, maybe. I think it's um, longer than that, isn't it? It's probably it probably is it, way before a, my time. It's at least that long because I used to buy guitars uh, when I was a 
by Academy of Sound from Laney Headstock, and I left Academy nearly 17 years ago. Yeah, well, there you go. So so it's got to be at least long... that. A long time, and and also uh, we distribute Dimarzio. I'm thinking about guitar and backline brands because we also do all that you know drummer stuff that nobody on this podcast cares about. Uh, but I I deal with um, I handle the marketing uh, using inverted commas there for those who are listening um, for Laney amplification globally. Uh, Ibanez UK, Dimarzio UK, and also True Tone. Uh, who do all the one-spot uh, pedal, pedal, so power supplies and that kind of thing, and the Route 66 pedal, which is an amazing drive pedal. Um, yeah, so my because of the route I've taken into this role, I've kind of, I'm still kind of sweeping the floor at the same time as worrying about budgets, right. because my one of my primary roles is creating content. So I make the videos... Um, the demo videos for for the vast majority of the guitar and backline products. And when I say make them, I mean appear in them, film them, do the audio, <laughs> edit them, upload them, <laughs> add the tag, you know, do have to do all of it. And, I'll, and as an Ibanez artist, and I use that word loosely, uh, prior to, to joining Headstock, um, that's continued as well. So if I'm making an Ibanez video, Generally speaking, it will then be taken by Ibanez Hoshino Global and will go out on, on their pretty huge social media uh, channels. And that's really happened quite a lot during lockdown because I'm, I've been very busy and I've, I've put out quite a lot of videos a week or at least create them. And they may have been struggling for content during it. So... I've been probably responsible for over a million views on their <laughs> Facebook page. And a lot of the time, you know, you, know, you don't even know that, you, that it's been shared, you know, so you just sort of switch your phone on and then it's exploded and you go, oh, I know what's happened here. And then you kind of grin, what's, what's everybody saying? <laughs> oh dear, how many dislikes? Um, so yeah, so I, I create content. I also plan that content. I organize uh, and work with third parties like Jason, uh, for the guitar show and and, and organise events for the brands, um, I manage the budgets. I run people, uh, you know, run teams, which means you know I'm kind of doing all the one-to-one stuff um, with with human beings, organic blobs, and uh, yeah. So it is everything you'd expect from a, a directorial role, but I'm also doing all the content as well. Uh, so it's and then and across all those brands. So it's it's a taxing taxing job and and i think the only way i any reason i'm able to do it is because i i'm a musician but i can also spell my own name and add up to two and i can get out of bed in the morning um and i'm you know i can i'm willing to to, to put the hours in and that's it, it does take a lot of hours to, to do this stuff but i'm blessed because um james laney who is obviously son of the founder and current CEO and has been for quite a long time now um, is, a, is a fantastic guy you know really really is brilliant boss really. I do have to say that that you know um, I, I, because I work on my own in an office on my own generally um, and Laney's or Headstock is eight miles from my office 
you know, um, I've spent a lot of Fridays sat in the kitchen for Chip Friday at Laney, yeah, Friday, which is yeah. a bit of a tradition. <laughs> and it's a really yeah. welcoming place that where nobody, nobody bats an eyelid that there's some bloke that they don't really know who he is sat in the kitchen talking rubbish, eating pie and chips on a Friday lunchtime. <laughs> well, I think that tradition comes from one of the other legends at Laney, very specifically Laney, uh, Simon Fraser Clark, who's the brand manager. Uh, and he's done lots of different roles over the 25 mm. plus years that he's been there. But everything from all the marketing, you know, right from the beginning of like, oh, okay, this is how we do this. Uh, and, and now he's the brand manager. So I've taken some, I've taken the marketing stuff off his hands. Um, and he's he's just such a character. I mean, that's the great thing about Headstock and Laney is that when people start working there, that's it. They're pretty much there for, you know, ad infinitum. And yeah. so... You know, you've got people who have been building amplifiers there from the from the get-go. And, and Simon's one of these people who can go, oh, yeah. He's got this very specific Worcester accent. accent. Oh, it's, it's Worcester slash, is it Bolton or something? No, no, he's not Bolton. Um, have you seen, have you seen League of Gentlemen? Yeah. He's from pretty much where, in and around Royston Vasey. <laughs> seriously he is he's he's like yeah are you a shop no i'm a lady <laughs> <laughs> it's very uk based humor there for those listening in zimbabwe um but kenya yeah kenya yeah, yeah. he uh he's a he's a legend and he's he uh has this he's very not set in his ways but he has a very structured week so fridays are oh yeah chip friday are you having chips? Are you chipping? Is what he yeah, says. Yeah. Are you chipping? So, um, and and I didn't have, because I'm not from the West Midlands. I had no idea what battered chips were until I <gasps> landed. Country there. chips. Yeah. They are awesome. I mean, they will kill you, but they are incredible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what kind of maniac? For those people that don't know, they are chips that are battered individually. <laughs> which is like taste heaven and carter um you know artery hell <laughs> you, you can you can feel your heart slowing as you yeah. you digest them for sure and then he, so, just to clarify for me that's a chip that's been fried taken out of the fryer put in batter and then fried again yeah pretty much okay so it's a double fried chip except that Double fried wasn't enough. You added to you had to add an extra <laughs> layer of batter as well. Yeah. It's one of these things where if you are going to partake in the Friday ritual, and I very often don't because um, I've, I spend maybe two two days in the office where I'm filming um, and capturing content, and then I'll be here in this room that anybody watching can see, which is where I'm I, I sit and, and edit the videos that, that goes out, and that's usually the end of the week. So I often miss out on Chip Friday, which is why I'm going to live to probably 50. We'll see. <laughs> um, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so it's, it's a really lovely place to work. The people are fabulous, uh, really nice, and um, all hardworking, just honest, nice people. You know, And I think that, that's how they like the marketing to be. They just want it to be, you know, what it, you know, this is the product. Do you like it? There's, there's no kind of clickbaity type of vibe to, yeah. to it at all but it really isn't um probably to our, to our detriment at 
times but hey it's who we are we we are you know that that brand and we've been been in that part of the world for a long long time and we make good products and we believe in them and and that's so that's headstock it's kind of what i do there's, there's always something else <laughs> i could probably think of a billion other things i have to do on a day-to-day basis but generally speaking i'm, I'm uh, you know planning the content and also making it so how do you go from um you know like uh Having trawled through your social media, as I told you earlier, right back to the very, very start. Did you know your first YouTube post was the 22nd of March, 2012? Was it really 2012? Yes, it was. So I was quite late to the party because YouTube started in 2006. The only reason I knew YouTube existed was I was already demoing. I'd actually gone, I was doing boss demos. I've been saying that my very first boss demo was to go with what is the uh, GT100, which is the multi-effects unit, yeah. for those that know, uh, down to Andertons. And I remember Jamie Daw, uh, who was the boss guy at the time, he's, he's much further up in the, up the food chain now, Jamie. But he, mess- he rang me and he said, um, <clears throat> can you go to Andertons tomorrow and take the GT100 down? And I was like, I don't know where Andertons is. Uh, he was like, oh, it's Guildford, they've got a YouTube channel. Um, have you ever seen it? I was like, no, I didn't. I've never been on YouTube. This is 2012. Um, so it's been around for six years. You know, Guthrie's exploded. I mean, so much has happened. I didn't know any of it. Didn't know anybody on it. Um, anyway, so I went down to uh, to, the, to do the Anderson shoot. Met Rob, didn't know who he was. Met Lee, didn't know who he was. But but that, and you know, so it was one of these kind of like, oh, oh. So you're, you're Rob? Okay, nice to meet you. Are you here to do some some videos? Well, yeah, that's why I'm here. So I, I played. And then Rob uh, and Lee were very, very kind. You can actually watch that video. It is my very first video is online, obviously, because it's an amateurs. Um, <laughs> and then afterwards, Rob said to me, it's got a very, very long story short, you should get a YouTube channel, start making videos. So I started, I thought, well, I'll give it a go. Looked on YouTube and... Um, realized that oh that's who tom quayle is <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. it was, it was, you know, we we're talking about going you've been trawling through my um uh, social media and i used to have this chin, chin strap beard now th- this is interesting this because you just reminded me that time i went to anderton's um afterwards we, we all went for a beer before i went home and i got to meet rob's bandmates and other people i think even beer might have been at that point anyway they came along and then Rob was like, this is Lee. He's a great guitar player. He's kind of like a, he's kind of like Tom Quayle. And at the time I didn't, I, good friends with Tom. I didn't know who he was then because it wasn't on YouTube. So I was like, oh yeah, well, fine. Got home, had a look on YouTube and you're having a, you're having a laugh, aren't you? Tom is amazing. I wonder why he's, oh, it's the beard, the beard. <laughs> I've got the same beard as Tom. He's had it. So uh, that's, yeah, that, I had the Tom Quayle chin strap at that point. Yeah. So you got home. One of your earlier Facebook posts as well is, um, what did it say? Uh, load, <laughs> uploading videos is hard. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been me. Um, I probably, that would have been either me moaning about the fact that how I was editing them was on an old PC. So everything that I was, and it was literally grabbing the footage off your phone and putting it on there. Mm. No experience whatsoever with video editing. 
um, a PC that wasn't capable of anything really, um, probably a hand, hand-me-down from somewhere or another. And it was like stop motion animation. The edit, so the first, I don't know, couple of years on of my YouTube channel is me editing videos, having made them on my phone and, and, and having that level of skill and also that level of equipment to be able to, you know, create them. That's why they look so shit. <laughs> so are you self-taught on video editing? Oh yeah, you? yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The um the 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 only thing I'm not self-taught at would be um my ability to organize my life because I did 13 years as a detective sergeant in the police um, project management and stuff like that. So at the time I was doing the boss demos, I was also doing that. So that was my full-time job. Boss demonstration is not a full-time job. It's a as and when freelance yeah. thing. Can't live off that. I know a lot of people could and would because they might do a bit of teaching and a bit of this and a bit of the other. I got into a very much a pay-as-you-earn lifestyle and then that was it. I wouldn't, I don't have, I'm not brave enough to go, right, I'm going to be this full-time hope for the best musician. Um, I have to have a job. That's just who I am. That's how I can sleep at night. So, um, yeah, I was doing the boss stuff whilst also doing that. But the, I think if I hadn't have gone through that sort of 13 years of institutionalization um, and regimented structure and, and consequences for things not happening, then I wouldn't be able to do the job I'm doing now, for sure. I probably wouldn't have got the job because I wouldn't have been able to have been organised enough to, yeah. to have it. So, you know, there's no... Anyone out there who's looking for a, a changing career, don't, you know, you don't always have to, but just take the, take the elements that are beneficial to you um, and, and just apply them elsewhere. Anyway, so, so yeah. stop being a policeman? When? yeah. I, I, well, so what happened was I was a long, it's a long, long, long story, but I, because I started making videos and I was the boss demonstrator guy, um, I was obviously on YouTube. I gave some, uh, I did one of the boss demonstrations to the Dawson's, I've, I've been able to unpick this, so I know the story. <laughs> At the time I was just like, I don't know how this has happened, but this is, this is why, this is the real crux of it. I was giving a demonstration to the dealers in the UK at Boss headquarters in Swansea. One of those dealers was Dawson's Music. So the buyer were there and various different people. And you do them and it's always funny those things are. But, you know, you, they, everyone goes out the night before, has far too much to drink. And then the next day they have to endure all of the demos <laughs> and the poor old demonstrator has to do all of the demos and repeat everything you know five times anyway so dawson's i think were and still are you know a very old piano uh retailer but that obviously they they, they, they became a, a you know much more varied music retailer and then they were starting to see the benefits because they brought somebody in of e-commerce but they were way behind the curve you know, Anderton's really were the leading light, trailblaze that whole thing. Then you have Gak, and you've got PMT at the time, jostling kind of second place online in terms of video views. I'm not talking about profit and loss or anything like that, but just just that. So they desperately needed to join the game because we're a big company, 13 big stores across the UK in 2013, 2012, 2013. So I, I had no idea who they were. Because I just wasn't the guy that goes to shops 
I knew musical exchanges. I knew yeah. my lo- local academy of sound, which became Sound Control, um, a little shop called Music Inn, Nottingham. Um, that was it. Didn't really. I didn't shop online for guitars. Didn't. I just just wasn't part of that world at all. Just played it. Just liked the plank of wood, and that was it. So they they contacted me and said, "I don't know if you'd be interested in doing this, Lee, but we're looking for a videographer to do this." And I said, "Well." Um, I couldn't do it full time because I'd have to earn that when yeah. I'm earning over in the police. Um, and they were saying, well, that doesn't really scare us. And I was like, yeah, but it scares me to leave that security. So why don't we do something freelance for a while at X amount? Um, so I did that for a bit. We got to know each other, as you do. Um, and it got to the point where it was probably costing them more than what the proposed amount of my annual wage would be just to do the freelance because they, they were seeing like a 70% increase in sales from the videos you see so um, so I left in 2013 to go to Dawson's full time um, and that's when I went from this pretty taxing job to being able to sit in my pants all day like, oh you're looking at me now <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, I, and I was because they were learning what the process was and there is a brand new role I they were like, well, look, can we have 10 videos a week? And I was like, that's probably a push, but I can do five. Um, so the, the early Dawson's videos were far. I mean, I literally would receive the guitar, take it out of its box, tune it, first take demo, put it back in its box, next. And then I'd spend the rest of the time editing on this knackered old system to be able to, to create it. <laughs> yeah, because it was really funny when I was going through your videos earlier on YouTube. There's uh, there's like shots of you playing a Les Paul, playing a Taylor and stuff like that. It's just stuff that I hadn't ever seen you pick up before. Yeah, it's all from the Dawson's side of the side of the world. Um, and those video, I mean, bizarrely, we gained a lot of subscribers on that channel very quickly. Um, and people seemed to connect with what I was doing. Um, who knows why? Who knows why? But... That that's that's really nice. I look back on them and cringe now. If I look at what I what I produce now, they're more like adverts, really. Yeah. Or four K video, ever all that sort of stuff. I mean, I'm sure. Hopefully, in five years' time, I look back at these and go, "God, they were crap." Always been a huge Vi fan. Always, um, and I basically taught myself to play pretty much all of Passion and Warfare when it came out, just by wearing out the tape. I had about five copies on tape and just used to listen to them overnight on my really old Sony Walkman, as was. Um, and then got went on to an actual CD player and, and just did the same again. So um, when the Gem 77P BFP, which is the blue floral pattern guitar, was reissued, I was like, well, that's, hey, this is my bag. I'm just going to do the best video I can make at that point, which was not great. But <laughs> so I just, I decided to, every kind of pickup position, I played a different Vi with and got some nice uh, close up footage B roll. And I also played a track called Blue Powder, which is a track from Passion and Warfare uh, as a cover. And then I was upload and then went out with my good lady, as was, um, for the evening for a date night. And I was having, sat down with my curry, probably half a bottle of wine in, and I got a call, which is very random, 
from the uh, the guy that was running the social media for Dawson's to say, you're never going to believe this, but Steve has shared our demo. Your wow. demo is on is live on his Facebook page. And he said something like, oh, here's a really great demo, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to steal your haircut, seriously, yeah, at the time. It was very funny. It was very flattering. Um, and it's bizarre because probably, well, 2004, I'd created this little uh, piece of crap demo uh, album in, whilst I was working for the police. You know, no time to do anything. You kind of get up earlier. If you want to get something achieved, you've got to just get up earlier. And I'm, I'm, so I made it at like 4.30 in the morning till 6.00. And then I would come home from work and then do a couple more. So it was like, and because of that, it was super shred. I mean, like, because I had this pent up energy to play guitar. I was like, ah, going to get all these notes out. And then Vi came to town. I was like, maybe I should give him the CD and thank him for, for all the inspiration and nothing more. So I did. I waited all day, met him, lovely guy, gave him the CD, watched the gig, and that's it. Went home. And then six months later, got an email from him. This is back in 2004, saying it was a lovely. I'll, I'll share. I'll have to send it to you, Jason. So you can yeah. it's lovely. And he was basically going, um, you, you know, really enjoyed track seven because I made sure I put track seven. As oh, the he's ballad. got this thing about track seven, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah. So I, I put the ballad there. Yeah. Um, and he was like, oh, I picked up on that. Like I liked it. But he basically said, look, got more than technically you ever possibly could wish for. What I'm doing now is I'm searching for the meaning behind every note that I play. You should try to do the same. I, I, I didn't care. At that point, I was just like, you know, stick a fork in me, I'm done. <laughs> do you know what? I've got, I've got an email off um, Duff um, from when oh. he came over and did Music Live. Yeah. And it's a lovely email. Um, thanks me. Uh, it's from him and Susan because his wife came with him. That, that Thanks me for having a lovely trip and blah, 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 and a lovely meal and everything. And at the end of it, it says, plus, you're a really fucking cool guy. Oh. I, I, honestly, it's practically framed and on my wall. You know, Everybody <laughs> I know has been shown that email, and it's at least 12 years old now. <laughs> it's special, isn't it? And, and, but I think, you know, uh, there's something, there's, it's a good point. I'll come back to it. So that happened 2004. 2013-ish is when we're looking, as a, as a result of what Vine said to me, I was like, well, maybe I could do something with my, you know, musical life. You know, it wasn't my dream to become a policeman. It just was what it was. Mm. Um, anyway, so the boss demon, long, 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 long story short, with the boss demonstration job came up. I went for it and got it along with a guy called James Roberts, who you will know, Jason, because he always does the boss stand with Mark right. Harley. Yeah, yeah. Lovely, lovely guy, really great player as well. So between James and I, we kind of took, filled the very big shoes of Alex Hutchins in the UK because he was too busy going off to Southeast Asia and doing all the kind of Roland Boston. Um, so if I, hadn't had, if I hadn't had the connection with Vine in 2004, five, I wouldn't have gone for that. And if I didn't then create that demo for the, for the gem, something he wouldn't have shared it. But he was there's this so there's this little connection there, and then last year, 2019s, uh, so 20, yeah, where are we? 2020s Nam. I always get them. I always, I'm always. Yeah, the time. I know. It's like last January. Which feels yeah. like about 200 years ago now. Yeah. Um, was the release of Vi's Pier 
signature for a brand new Vi guitar. Um, and as a result of me working for uh, Dawson's and, and doing the gem video and it being shared by Steve, I became an Ibanez artist. Um, started in the UK and then it went bigger into the sort of global one. Um, that's how I got to know Headstock really well. They were like, we need a guy to come in and can do all of those things. Um, so I did that. Then they realized I could spell my own name, add up to two. Um, <laughs> so they gave you, know, you a budget. So they gave me a budget. That was it. And then, so then you roll for, you know, it's all online to see what's been, what's happened since then. But then NAM this year was the release of the, the new Vi guitar. So I was like, I need to get that sample in my hands because I know what I can, what, I know what this, I know what the Vi fans will want because mm. I'm one of them. So I may, I got it. It was very, very rare guitar because it was, you know, just after NAM. It was the only one in Europe, wasn't it? You were trying, yeah, to, get it, yeah, you were yeah. trying to bring it to the show, but it, it couldn't be played so, with. Yes. So basically what happened was I got it the morning of the show. And you know what the show's like. You've got to get there, I don't know, 11, 12, start setting up. So I'm in the office at seven. This is build-up day, not the... Uh, yeah, the build-up yeah. build day. So, yeah, the Friday. So I'm... I'm I don't live. I don't live in in the West Midlands. I drive in to the West Midlands, so it's probably, you know, it should be about an hour and fifteen minutes at that certainly at that point before lockdown and all the craziness. More like two and a half hours. So I'm up at five, get into work, um, and I film between half seven and about half ten. That's thinking up the music, playing it, filming it, getting all the B roll, putting it in a the case, then going right. Better start packing the van to get to Jason. Um, and that was that. And, and I was like, can we take it? And they were like, well, this guitar has to go and do the rounds to Anderton's, to all the, you know, all the dealers, and it has to be pristine. So the, their videos don't have a big chunk knocking out there where someone's going, oh, this is great. This is <laughs> You know, you wish you could just imagine a fingerprinted up. So I couldn't take it, just couldn't bring it. Um, but that, then I, straight after the show this year, I, I had two days off, which I usually do because I take the Lou days for Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. And I spent them just getting that video together. So just creating all the kind of historical Vi gem stuff that you see at the beginning. Um, you know, sorting the music out. That's Because what happens is I just put a click on and then I play because I can hear it in my head. What needs to, What's happening behind it? Then I get home and I go, right, where's my bass? Right, what <laughs> drums need, you know, where am I, what, what strings need to go on here, if anything? So I created that video and then I was like, I, because of the position I'm in, I'm able to send it to him. Um, so I was able to send it to him, but not with my, hey, how are you doing, Steve? I'm going to discuss, you know, it's been, a, it's been a couple of weeks. I'm, you know, like, I haven't spoken to this guy since meeting him in 2004. Um, he doesn't know me from Adam, but I sent, so I sent in a video, um, and he was, I didn't expect a reply, but it's more courtesy. We've done yeah. this. This is what we're going to do. Blah, blah, blah. Um, and I'd met him. I'm, I'm getting my timeline mixed up because I had met him at NAM because of the release of the peer and told him the arc of the story. Yeah. So like, this is what I'm doing now. I helped set this day up. This is how amazing long day. Um, and I wouldn't be here now at NAM doing this if it wasn't 
or what you said to me right the way back then. And then when you did this, that's why I'm here. And then I was able to go, here's the video of your, of your guitar. He absolutely loved it. It, 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 was, what, it was amazing to, to, get that, to get that feedback from him, which is lovely. Absolutely lovely. So it's real, for me, it's like the perfect job. Okay, what I, I do now is the perfect job. It's the I've, first, got a, so I've got a similar story with Rick Parfit. Rick Parfit? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which, you know, uh, which probably explains the difference between yours and my guitar playing. Um, <laughs> but um, he came and did music live for me. I think, I think it was about 2008, 2009, something like that. And um, I was in the green room chatting to him i mean the best the best part of all was that rick turned up in a chauffeur driven rolls royce wearing a fur coat which is exactly <laughs> what i want my rock stars to look like yeah. you know it was like it was proper old school rock star and um again i was telling him that the reason why i started playing the guitar really was that uh, and i remember it because um they Quo released an album called One Plus Nine Plus Eight Plus Two Equals Twenty Years of Status Quo, 1982. And to celebrate their 20th anniversary, they'd done a um, gig at the NEC, Prince of Wales Trust sort of thing. And I think I think Charles and Diana were there. I mean, so we're going back yeah, yeah. a million years. And I was supposed to be doing my homework, uh, but I was watching it on the telly because um, it was broadcast live. And I, I can remember being utterly transfixed and at that moment deciding to grow my hair, much to my parents' disgust. <laughs> and, and, and that was kind of like the journey. So I was telling Rick all of this, you know, that ultimately this event at the NEC is your fault. Because if I hadn't have grown my hair and bought a guitar, I wouldn't have ended up running this event. And he just went, I'm really sorry, mate. <laughs> Bless him. Oh, well, and you wouldn't have been, you know, creating these shows, which are for me my favourite, you know, event other than Nam. But it's less, you know, Nam, Nam's an incredible amount of work for anybody who has to go there and actually do work. Oh, it's 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 insane, Nam. And I find it really hard to explain to people what Nam's truly like. Uh, and, and the magazines do an incredible job of video and written content of showing this really exciting guitar heaven when in truth of the matter is it's a bit like guitar hell um yes. you know you the, there's a hundred and twenty thousand people going most of which are slow moving mom and pop store owning americans in blazers and chinos that you, <laughs> <laughs> or the other Part, significant part of the audience are people that are under the impression that it's still 1987 yeah. <laughs> and oh, have yes. moved on. Well, we always we always give the, a Zoolander award. <laughs> we always because you get the, the beauty of now. One of the great things is is what you just said though. You know the amount of amazing different people you can meet there. Um, but if you if you're going there, certainly for, as a demonstrator, so I've done it a few times. Directly as a demonstrator, that's my job. So I sat on on the Laney booth doing acoustic demos for about twelve hours a day. Didn't move, just solid playing. Um, and then people would come up to you with their microphones or their iPhones or whatever, 
and it's like, please give me a demo of blah blah blah. Well, we're from Guitar World. We're going to do this. And, you know, so it's it's just a day of talking, talking, or playing. Um, and then the evenings are about business. Yeah, you are going out with with dealers, or you're taking dealers out, or you are networking, having a good time, of course. But they, you come home from now drained because they yeah, are just completely the only time you're not working. Certainly, from my my side of the fence, is when you're asleep. It, yeah. Even if you certainly, what I do now is all of those things, but also um, speaking to our distribution network, creating content, organizing artists who come over and want to leave their bag, and blah 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 blah. And you're just coordinating all of that in the run up, and also the release on social media for products. And then I'm running between two completely big brands. So. Laney, and then I'm running over to the Ibanez side of the world to do bits and pieces for UK dealers as well. So it's very taxing. Now, the Yam show, the Yam is, show. is just, it's, it's the same vibe in terms of, you know, the weird and wonderful you know, descending upon Birmingham. Um, but it, it, it lacks the glamour of Los Angeles, though, it doesn't it? Does. We don't see Los Angeles anyway, so it looks the same inside, <laughs> yeah. you know. I see the, the morning walk into Nam, which is usually sunny, um, apart from one year, and and then I see darkness when I leave of an evening. I don't see any of the daytime at all. So, but the, but your show is great because of the community spirit. So all of the, you know, all of my peers will go to the show. Some I might might take me a year to see them, mm. but and they all sort of descend and they tend to hang around on the Laney booth because we just let them jam. So people just jam. And you do, you do free beer on a Friday as well, don't you? Oh, that's the Nam show. I'm talking about yeah. your show. Oh, my <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah. We, the, we have something called Beer on the Booth at Nam, which is for, for you know, friends and dealers and distributors and, and artists. Um, but it usually coincides, and I can say this, it usually coincides where I've just been from an annual meeting, and I've only done this twice, you know, James Laney and, and, and et al, Paul Oldfield, we've been doing it for years. But it, it's to go and um, have a, a, a meeting with Larry DiMarzio about DiMarzio. Mm. And Larry is the world's greatest raconteur. By the, 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 if you could get him on this podcast, you would need days because <laughs> he's got so many. And, and all, of the, all the stories are gold. I mean, like, seriously. He's got pictures of Van Halen at 19 that he took before they were really big. He's like very first photo yeah, shoot. Yeah. Larry's taken some of the most Didn't he supply, was it? He's from New York, isn't he, Larry? Uh, do you know, I don't exactly know where he hails from. Probably. I I think that, um, sorry, I, I realise I mentioned them practically every podcast, but I'm fairly certain that he was friends with Kiss when they started. And all of the Kiss guitars had got Damasio pickups in them because he was making them in his flat in New York. He was he was the pioneer of that aftermarket, you know, pickup stuff. But in but in equal measure, the, some of the most iconic pictures that we've seen of guitar players in their poses on magazines uh, and in catalogues, all that stuff. Larry's taken. If it's not Larry, it's, it was Neil Zlozauer. That's yeah, yeah. it. They were the two. So to meet him is, is an experience. It, re- it really is. And he's talking business, but he's also feeding his booze. 
That's and you know, politely go, well, thank you. <laughs> so, you know, you're tired anyway. You've just been necking booze, and then you get to beer on the booth, and you have a couple of pints. And by then, I'm like, oh, <laughs> slightly toasted. On a slightly different note, have you seen that new um, Van Halen book that's just come out? No. I to be honest with you, I've never. I'm not a map. I think. I mean, I think his playing's amazing, but I'm not a guy. I'm not a big Van Halen fan. I, well, um, I, I, I kind of it's a it's a photo book um, of a time spent at the fifty one fifty studio that was supposed to be a shoot for a day or something and ended up turning into a year with with a photographer hanging out there. So amazing. oh, I, well, it's amazing. I, well, I ordered it and I got an email off them this morning that said um, it's been shipped next week because they're they're in California or wherever the book's from. I mean, it costs fifty dollars. So. I'm quite looking forward to getting that. That'd be amazing. Yeah. Well, there might even be pictures of from, that Larry's, you know, mm. taking in there. Who knows? But yeah, so he's he's an amazing character. And sometimes you just you sat there in the moments where you go, I'm just going to pinch myself because I'm sat having a drink with Larry DiMarzio and he's telling me these amazing stories. And uh, is, I mean, that, that's the Nam thing, though, isn't it? I can remember, um, I can remember having a drink with Jimmy Dunlop. Um, <laughs> bizarrely and I, and I it's terrible because I, I hadn't real. you know when you don't realise who you're talking to until you walk away <laughs> so I was on the, the Dunlop stand having a drink with J- Jimmy Dunlop and Alice in Chains <laughs> and, and, and then I walked off and I went oh god that was Alice in Chains wasn't it <laughs> it's, too, it's too late then you can't go back yeah. <laughs> I didn't know who you were before so let's can we have that conversation again? You know, the one where I said I didn't like Alice in Chains? <laughs> yeah. I didn't mean that <laughs> at all. <laughs> no, you, you do wonder what you've said in those conversations, but that is the weirdness of Nam, really. Is it? You, you never know who you're going to end up having. It's a drink people. With. People make Nam. They make all yeah. these shows. And I, so we go, bringing it back to your show, the Yam show, as, it, as it's affectionately known, you know, a couple of years ago, you know, going out for a meal with with everybody on the Saturday evening mm. created the curriculum. And I'm sat next to Simon Radders, who was on last, last time, um, depending on where you want to put this episode. And, uh, I'm like, this Simon Bradley, amazing. I used to read your stuff in guitarist and love where, you know, way at yeah. the time. And he's a, such a, uh, an eloquent and, you know, funny guy as well, isn't he? He's, did it make it in when he was talking about he wouldn't do another book, but he considered doing the the gem? Book. Well, yeah, I remember listening to that and going, "Oh, well, maybe." I don't, just I send help. them, but just send Simon and Steve an email that goes, yeah. "Steve, you should talk to this guy and he should do a book because I think I think he's well, he's a he, the first thing writer. Steve would do. The Steve, first thing that Steve would probably do is probably drop Brian, Mister May, mm. Doctor May. Get it right, um, a, 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 you know, a call or a mail or however they communicate to go. Is this guy? Is this guy okay? Yeah, <laughs> obviously, you know, Brian would go, say yeah, he's he's, right. <laughs> he's a bit of a dick, but he's all right. <laughs> <laughs> but but he's our dick, so that's okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that was look, meeting him, and he was telling me all the guitar because I remember you know guitar tuning notes, and you know. And it just happened to be that the guy that did that was also was sat opposite. He was like, "Hey, guess what? Do the voice. Do the voice." I was like, "What the hell's going on?" And then I think it was 
not last year, the year before, I was doing something on stage with <gasps> not shoegate. Yeah, footgate. Footgate. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember, so I'm you know playing some stupid crap on on the stage, and then Tom is doing his wonderful stuff, and Simon had set up this. Uh, camera to project what was going on on the pedal boards we were doing i think it was for the, one of the tube the new tube screamers at the time mm. um or maybe even one of the laney pedals can't remember um but he i remember going simon must be really enjoying what i'm doing because i can see him giving me a load of sign language kind of <laughs> excitedly at the back of the room <laughs> i can't quite make him out because i'm actually blind after about six feet i wasn't wearing any kind of glasses and then eventually he comes over and he goes Move your fucking foot! He's <laughs> <laughs> like, move your fucking foot! And I'm like, oh god, yes! My whole time, my old knackered trainer was just in shot. On the we got a ton of video footage of your blue trainer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I've, uh, I've only had that experience once of being sat next to somebody and not having a clue who it was, uh, and it was Steve Hackett. Wow. Um, and I was at a Meridian gig at the Albert Hall, and we were in the we were in the guest the guest area, and and this guy was really nice and he was really chatty, and then we we're at the we we're at the party backstage afterwards, and everybody was was sucking up to him like God, and it was like, um, and, and and at that point I sort of sort of who's that? And anyway, did a quick bit of googling and realised it was just <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah, you feel such an idiot, really. Oh, yeah. God, there must be. They... You get to it certainly with someone like him, no doubt. You're just so used to it, aren't they? Yeah. You're used to people having a com- complete breakdown in front of them and not being able to speak. They're having probably people coming up to them and just saying whatever they think is what they should have done on so-and-so. And I remember in 1972 and you did this and that was terrible and I think you should have done it this way. Yes, yeah, thanks very much. You know, you can, <laughs> you can imagine what they've had to deal with. He probably just, thought I was so cool. I was like, he's just not mentioned anything. Just that is so cool. Like, probably just like where you are, mate. Thank God, I can just have a, I can just have a nice, relaxing time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That is. So really who knows? Nice. Maybe, maybe, maybe he's harboring some evil resentment towards you. <laughs> I don't know if he listens. Maybe he's the guy who listens in Kenya. I don't know. Maybe yeah, he's like. <laughs> I was going through the list of people where they listen from, and it's just incredible now. The the list of countries is huge. I mean, after the UK and Ireland. The next biggest is the US, which you'd kind of expect. But uh, Germany, Greece, Spain, France, it's just, it's its a bit mental, really, for my I little guitar show. Podcasts, podcasts are an amazing, you know, medium, aren't they? Because mm. you can consume them without actually doing a lot. You don't have to physically be doing something, you know, to, to consume it. But, so all the podcasts I listen to, I, well, I'm on... You know, I'm a captive audience in my car. Mm-hmm. You know, for, that's, for that's this one, you don't have to think that much either. You don't have to think. <laughs> <laughs> but that's it. People just want, you know, probably just want to have, you know, some escapism. Well, it's better than listening to the news that. at the moment, isn't it? Oh yeah. Well, you've only got to do that once, and it's just just repeated, isn't it? Mm. Constantly. Mm. We've just entered into a second stage of lockdown. Ah, because you're up north. Um, I, I am indeed in Kirklees. I'm just, I'm just at, well, home first. Last of the summer wine country. Wow. Um, but yeah, so what? quite what that means. I don't think anybody really knows what that actually Well, it means that you can go indoors if you're going to buy something, but you can't go indoors and meet people if you're just going to visit a friend. 
Yes. Yeah. Isn't that strange? <laughs> or, or you can all get pissed as long as it's in Wilkinson's. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know what aisle. Uh, um, you know, go, to paint then, go to Argos while you're drinking, and then you can flick through the laminated book of dreams while it's still there. But that's that's been gone. It has. Do you know what? Last night, I actually this is how sad I am. I was like, oh, you can get them all online now. I'll just have a look at 1985. <laughs> so I went through the entire Argos catalogue of 1985, and then I did 86 as well. I went, I better go to sleep now. <laughs> I was looking at like stuff that I was like, wow, I had one of them. I really wanted one of those. Oh God, was that only four pounds? Why didn't my dad buy it? But it's because of the equivalent of like 50 quid now. Yeah. The best thing I ever got from Argos was a, a test match cricket game. And it was like, no, uh, yeah, I can, I can picture it. And you I had a little thing with, with the bowler where you flipped sort of his hand and it was like a, a, a half a straw, but it went yeah. down. Yeah, and then you had to do that. I love that. I wish I could get that again. It was amazing. Get get on get on the Argos catalogue. Check out which year it would have been. I didn't spot it. In fact, I did. Eighty five. Check out. And it is in nineteen eighty five's catalogue. Right. It's got Ian Botham on the on the on the front. Yes. Yes. And, and I can't remember Beefy. who else. Yeah, Beefy Botham, and and then the other guy. Oh, who's Willis. Yeah, it must have been Bruce, Bruce, uh, Bruce, Bob Willis. Bruce Bob Willis. Willis. Bruce Willis. Willis. <laughs> that would be an amazing cricket match if Bruce Willis was wearing Bruce, his vest. Bruce, no, no. Well, well, 85 would have been Moonlighting era. Oh, been. of course. Yeah, it, yeah, well, yeah. He hadn't been yeah. stuck in a microwave. No, no, he, no he, he was still, uh, still trying to chat up Sybil Shepherd, wasn't he, at that point yeah. in time? What was that? It yeah. was Mad- Madeline. Wasn't she called Maddie and... Oh, I can't remember. I love Moonlighting. I really did love Moonlighting. Moonlighting was great. I, I know it existed, but I know, I've never seen it. Never seen oh, it. it's brilliant. It was it was a real precursor to some of the other things like Friends and some of the things that came behind it because they did some weird things. They'd have weird episodes and sort of kind of um, – they'd pick themes for episodes, and one of them was a medieval – they did a kind of a riff on Shakespeare for one of them, and they were very clever, very ahead of its time. Oh, let's check it Didn't out. he break the fourth wall as well, long before Deadpool? Didn't he kind of like wink at the camera and stuff when silly stuff was happening? Oh, he could have done. He could have done. Uh, yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's worth checking out, absolutely worth oh, checking he out. He was I working mean, behind a bar, wasn't he? He, got, yeah. he landed the job straight from that. Yes. Yeah, and I had his album that came out off the back oh, of that. Oh yeah, I've got Bruno. Got the album. Bruno plays the blues or something, was it? Or something? I thought it was Return of Bruno. But it's Return of Bruno. That was. Are you guys Star Trek fans? Yeah, it's all right. Do you, remember, do you remember Next Generation? With yeah, Picard, yes. John Luke Picard and Data. Do you remember Data? Yeah. Yes. Um, Data. <laughs> the guy who plays Data. His name is gone flying out of my head. I usually can remember it. He, he's a great singer. I mean, he's a great actor as well. He played, he has to do a lot of stuff in Next Generation. But he's also a really good singer. And he put out a jazz album and he called it Old Yellow Eyes is Back. <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant. Seriously. <laughs> oh, it's great. Oh, Next Generation. Huddersfield's finest, Patrick Stewart. Bless is him. that where he's from, Huddersfield? Yeah, he's from Huddersfield. I know that. Yeah, he's from- you, you can really tell from his accent, can't you? Yes, it really comes across. <laughs> Make <Yeah>. it so. <laughs> no, yeah, he's, he's he was Chancellor of Huddersfield University for years, and he's a, wow. had a lot to do with the football club. And yeah, he's a, he's uh, 
He's from he's he's, he's one of Huddersfield's finest, along with Roy Castle. Roy and Castle, um, what's his face? Um, Harold Wilson. He's Huddersfield. Really? Yeah. Uh, and there's wow. another one out of there. There's, there's, I think there was four. I'm trying to think of the fourth one is, but they are. That's what is, that's what is Fields. Did not know. I didn't know. Illuminati. About, um, Sir Pat. No, no, and, and that's the, the other thing coming back round to Nam because Picard, which obviously is the new thing they've yes. done. Yes, yeah, he's filmed at Anaheim at the convention yeah. centre. Oh, it is, isn't it? Yes, mm-hmm. I saw that, which is really funny because yeah. it's the most futuristic building in <laughs> yeah. California. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to make a joke about you know obviously the, his arch. Um, nemesis in next generation is the borg yeah yeah the cube the, the resistance is futile and all of that and i was thinking how can i put a play on words for some kind of facebook page like um he's going to wipe out the korg <laughs> something like that <laughs> but it was crap so i didn't bother <laughs> ah. <laughs> so um I suppose the, the question we really need to ask you is um, because it's 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 gone through a few of the mo- more recent podcasts and and to get serious for a second actually, um, what's your favourite Carry On film? <laughs> <laughs> I should have one. I'm trying to think. It's probably Carry On Camping. Right, we've not had that yet. Yeah, no. Carry On Camping's great. No, no, we've we've not gone for that. Uh, I, I grew. Oh, we, we're all of a similar age, aren't we? And I, I we must be. Yeah. I, I grew up, you know. I mean, it was risque, but you mm. kind of you, you knew what was happening, but you didn't at the same time. There was, a, there was an innocence to, to mm. the. You know, I was born in seventy six, so I'm forty three, forty four in October. So I kind of watching Carry On films when I was about seven or eight. Yeah, you know, well, yeah. You, you could get away with it. You know, yeah, at yeah. the same time, I was watching Benny Hill, so it's like crikey, you know. Carry on camping, right? We'll add that to the list. Add it to the list, yeah. I mean, you yeah. know, I'm sure the uh, the listener in Kenya is delighted. <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> over them. We've not had a carry on doctor or a hospital no. one yet. I nearly, said on carry, I nearly said carry on doctor because that was the first one I could see in my mind when you mentioned it. Mm. But carry on camping, I think, is my favourite one. Carry on camping. See, that's the obvious one because everybody thinks about. Barbara Windsor, don't they? Doing the um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, know, you yeah. can't say that on a podcast, but doing the chest exercises. Yes, that's the one that yes for for, for impressionable youths, in fact, impressionable males or females, but certainly for impressionable males, that was the one we all remembered from the time. Um, um, not saying that it's fifty-five minutes, sixteen seconds in, and that it broke pause. I'm not saying that out loud at all. That's that's because that wouldn't be true. Um, but, um, but right, okay, we'll add that one to the add that one to the list then. I've got I have got one question, hmm. which was um, I was over at Laney, oh, God, I don't know, a couple of years ago, and um, I was asking about on possibly a prototype of a new amp. Um, I can't remember which. I mean, that that is the joy of uh, you know when I pop over. Simon's usually like, "Come and have a look at this. I've been working on," and yeah. I get to play it before anybody else, and then I'm sworn to secrecy, so I never tell a soul that I've played this. <laughs> new amp. And and I, you know, I was doing my usual, I don't know, GDA kind of playing, yeah. and you yeah. looked up and you went, "Oh yeah, I forgot. You're like you're like a band guitarist, unlike me." <laughs> Who, who said that? Who said that? I said that to you. <laughs> yeah. Was and, I and there it, when you checked it? Uh, yeah. yeah. Or I was I was in the boardroom asking about, I can't remember where I was. Oh, I can't and, I, and I was just like, oh, right, okay. So, um, 
And then I was like, yeah, I suppose that way you play is very kind of, you know, it's Satriani, it's Vi, they're solo kind of artists, aren't they? Whereas I've never, you know, I'm not capable of playing like that. Um, and can't, can't can't be asked to put the practice in either. If I'm perfectly you know, honest, it's what you grow up with, isn't it? I mean, yeah. If, so if you've you spent your whole thinking. time listening to Hungarian wedding music, that's what you'd be good at. Yeah. You know? So it's. You there's, know, you... there's also a slight age difference there as well, because you were saying you were born in '76. Yeah. So I'm so, five years older. Yeah, and and that and that does that it's that will old. make a, a a little bit of a. A difference because I mean I grew up on I grew up playing you know Brian Adams and Bon Jovi and all that kind of stuff because that's what hit me when I was 14 15 16 yeah yeah uh, whereas you know uh, when did Passion Warfare come out oh well the thing is the, the the reason I play like the way I do and whatever that is is because I played without a pick for years and years and years um, I started playing when I was four because my dad was in bands in he taught himself to play the from the Burt Whedon book. So I grew up in a house full of Hendrix, Zeppelin, Queen, um, Django Reinhardt, Les Paul and Mary Ford, just constantly. Die Straits, mm. lots of Die Straits. And The Shadows, you know, and Clapton. And my dad would just go out and he'd, be, he'd taught himself to play these things and he was in, in his kind of um, function band. And I would go to the gigs and it was the early 80s. So you could let five or six year old into a working mm. man's club with all the smoke down to everyone's knees. And I was on the dance floor waiting for, you know, watching my dad play. I bet they'd serve you a shandy as well. Oh, I had, I had shandies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Back. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that's the, you know, I, and I learned to play songs. So I learned to play all my campfire chords, you know, and, and then I, I could play pentatonic scales and blues scales to play along to bits and pieces. And I did that for years. I didn't do I didn't really play in anger until I was about 14. But I already knew how to play by the time I got blown away by, you know, right. I could play Queen stuff and blah, blah, blah. But I wasn't, it was kind of like, yeah, I do a bit of guitar. I enjoy doing that. Now I'm going to go and kick a ball. Now I'm going to go and do something else. Now I'm all into, I'm into mountain biking this week, you know. Whatever it was, I, I zoomed in on as a kid, definitely like pr- properly focused. And then when it t- when it came around to guitar at fourteen, I just went, Poof, mm-hmm. "That's all I'm doing now, nothing else. That's it." And I literally did nothing else but play guitar from about fourteen to uh, nineteen. And then life gets in the way of other things. But by then, I'd kind of just, and we're talking, you know, all day every day because you didn't have anything else. Yeah, you go to school, come home, that's it. Mm-hmm. And then towards the end of that, you know, during the A-levels, that's all I'm doing anyway. Just guitar, 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 guitar. Completely focused. So, but I already had the grounding, so it was really easy for me to jump start very quickly. It wasn't like I was, it was an alien object that I was yeah. trying to yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, get my head around. I, I, if I told my finger to do something, it did it. It did it. I just had to yeah. increase the fluency or, or understand the theory behind why does it go there. And you know, anyway, so I, I I play the way I do because of all of that, hmm. not just the the when I went solid, solid, you know, solidly mad for it, if you like. Mm. Um, that's why I really don't. I don't fit into anything. 
Mm. It's, it's very, be very difficult for me to join a band. A, because I'm only interested in creating what I want to create. So this whole collaborative thing, I'd be, I'd be a bit like, <laughs> really? <laughs> anyway, so but let's say I did. They'd be like, well, yeah, that wrist is a bit too rock for this country stuff we're doing. Or that's too blues for the metal we're doing now. That's too metal for this. Ugh. So I, I just wouldn't fit in, mm. into anything. So the so I just kind of wandered around just doing my own thing musically forever. And then the demo world came along and went, that's precisely what we need. We need yeah, to, to yeah. be able to go, well, here's a bit of this, here's a bit of that, yeah, here's a bit of the other. Yeah. And so it's the perfect the, grounding for it. Oh, yeah, and it's the perfect place for me to live musically. Because mm. I can, so for, I was, this week, I, I got out of bed, was listening to some um, kind of metal stuff, but not proper hardcore metal, but uh, kind of the shreddier side of the fence, if you like, or even kind of late Jason Becker type stuff. Um, got to work, had to do a demo of a guitar. So what was in my head? That. So that's what they had. And I, was, I wasn't I was under a constraint of, well, actually, you've got to do this. Yeah. Or that's not, we don't play that kind of stuff. I was just like, today you're having Hans Zimmer. Yeah. Tomorrow you're having Bert yeah. Whedon or whatever it is. And so it's it, the demo was the perfect place for me to, to exist. But you, you in, release in, your own music too, don't you? Well, I, I, every demo I do is a piece of music. So it's, you know, especially the last couple of years. They are literally just pieces of music I've created and then they get published via the medium of video. Mm. Um, and, they, and their purpose is to make nice sounds that people can enjoy whilst watching the close-ups. Of the, you know, mm. This is what you could do with this guitar. It's not everything you could do with it, but it's what you could do. So the, I made this piece of music with this block of wood or, or this pedal. So if you, if you take those kinds of instrumental pieces of music and then you put a little bit more thought into them because it's part of how you're feeling at the time you created them and it's not just a demo you're not together that's where that's the album i made last year or was certainly released last year and it took a couple mm. of years to make it um because coming out of a really shitty well a good relationship that went shitty right at the end horribly and then i was just in a very very low horrible place my friends uh, a guy called paul hose who's uh a world-renowned drum uh, tutor. He's got places all over the over the world, and he's an author and blah blah blah. But he's been doing my drum stuff for years, and he was like, "Come on, we need to get you out doing things." And I was like, "Yeah, I think I'm just going to stay in and watch this World War Two documentary, <laughs> and then just drink gin." And that's what I was doing. And he, he kind of very very slowly but surely coaxed me out and got me going into the studio to just record little bits and pieces and it really helped me so the whole process of making an album was was cathartic and, and made me feel better and it started in a very sad place and ended up really happy and and you know bizarrely that the whole thing you know is documented in in the album not that the album starts sad and ends happy but but it's lovely that i've got that um, encapsulated and, and it's a proper release it's not something I've just knocked together and put out on Bandcamp it, it was released through Revolver Records and they made the CDs um, you know it, it was mixed and mastered properly it was all created in the studio um, and it was great it was a great experience 
So yes, I do release music. There's that. There's a load of bitty shit, shit demos from years ago, <laughs> and then there's but there's something something every week almost. Through, yeah. Through the medium of um, of video, they are original little pieces of music that I put together, whether they're two minutes long or sometimes. You know, if I, I we also create at Headstock, we also um, own HH Electronics, which is it's been around for a long time. Uh, which is a PA uh, company, a speaker company. Um, and so I create content for them that I don't put out on Facebook because people go, well, why are you sharing this this video that's a corporate video? But the music I write for that is soundtrack stuff. It is it's kind of movie trailer music. There's no guitar on it at all. It's, it's all symphonic. Um, and I love nothing better than to sit here. You can't see it, but right here is my keyboard. MIDI keyboard, and I just sit with a. I've got the BBC Symphony Orchestra from Spitfire. I've got all those other bits and pieces, and I just sit and write music on the keyboard, on the keys, and then I'll I'll go. Oh, I like that. That's a little piece I can use that, and then I might put some guitar on it. But and then if it's a demo piece for the things you would have probably seen because you've been stalking my. Oh, <laughs> mate. I, do you know I almost liked a post from like eight years ago just because it would pop up on your feed and you'd go <laughs> why is he all the way back there <laughs> oh there's a brilliant Paul Oldfield sent, uh, did, did this he sent his dad and he's got a screenshot of it he's, he's absolutely brilliant he sent his dad a message on Facebook Messenger because I'm standing mm. here um, in about 2014 saying how are you getting on on Facebook, Dad. And then six years later, the reply <laughs> is just a thumbs up. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, and he just he shared it again this week. I was just, oh, it's so good. So good. Bro. <laughs> Sums it up perfect. Sums it up perfect. <laughs> oh, yeah, I am sorry that I stalked you, but it was really interesting. Oh, no, no. Not, no, I'm, not, I'm not less for the changing hairstyles and beard. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which just kept me uh, highly amused really I, hey I, I like to change it up I did the um, for a laugh I, I permed my hair and it was it was it was, a real, it was one of these things where you either go out and get a bunch of tattoos well hey I've got them already um, or you um, you know you can do something crazy just to kind of new change in life new direction um, and the hairdresser that um, was a friend of mine she said why don't you why don't you just perm your hair Lee? you'd look good with curly hair i was like oh fuck it go on now do it <laughs> so so she did and then i just had this kind of like proper you know 1980s you know curly liverpool player curly hair yeah 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 exactly i did have been you know number nine for <laughs> for liverpool or whatever or everton the thing um, is whether you think it at the time everybody only ever perms their hair for a laugh Oh, yeah, exactly. You might not think it when you have any done. <laughs> but history tells you that you only ever perm your hair for a laugh. Absolutely. Oh, I'm sure there were points where I was like, yeah, this looks good. And, uh, but <laughs> I put, I put, you may have seen it, but that, I put a picture on Facebook. And it was one of the most, I think it was one of the most liked, you know, Facebook reminds you of things. Yeah, yeah. What your most liked posts of blah, blah, blah. Or your most commented on. And it was just this picture of me full cheese. <laughs> haircut and, and my guitar. Amazing. Yeah. It's very funny. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll dig that out and share it on social media. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you can't erase the past. 
Well, I don't know. I don't know about the rest of you, but I think it, we're heading to beer time, aren't we? It's yeah, a, 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 a beer's calling. It's uh, uh, I've been locked in this room for an hour and a quarter now, and I'm starting to feel like I just I need a beer. I'm absolutely boiling. Yeah, I need to open the windows. We've got a train line that runs at the back here. Right, it's quite busy with the windows closed. You can't really hear it. Yeah, but if I'd have had the windows open every ten minutes, it'd be like so. I thought well, I better not. <laughs> Well, now literally melting away. Yeah, thank you, and thank you very much for thanks for finding the time. It's been uh, oh, it's fantastic, absolutely fantastic. Well, uh, you know, we'll really do it again. Oh, any time, any time. I think we'll have to try and get we'll have to try and get Simon on here, Simon Fraser Clark. Yeah, get him to tell us his stories of uh, of your of many many of those. When we're allowed to move around a bit, maybe we can head down there. And, well, uh, we could do it over at um, Headstock because they've got this wonderful sort of like mezzanine floor in the factory that looks like your lounge, basically, with rugs thrown down, loads of guitars, and we could probably get some black country chips in. I was uh, going to say, as, lo- as long as it's yeah. Friday. Yeah, chip Friday. Oh, yeah. Got me chip Friday. <laughs> right, and then you, you can tell the rest of the world something that I've grown up with and fully aware of, but whenever I mention battered chips, anybody who's not from around here is like, what? I had no idea. No. Seriously, until I was, and that, that I think that was my reaction. I mean, oh, are you chipping? I was like, yeah, dear. I'll, I'll have some chips. And Simon, oh yeah, are you having battered chips? I was like, touch me where? Because <laughs> you know what? <laughs> well, it's the it's the first I've heard of it. It's yeah. the first I've heard of it. So uh, you know, definitely, definitely. I don't. I think it is not just a, a Birmingham thing. It's a, it's a black country thing. It is a black country thing. Yeah. Which I'm just starting to understand the difference. Because every time I go, oh, yeah, Birmingham's, you know, and they're like, you should block country. country. It's like, what? <laughs> Sometimes yeah. the, 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 when I first started there, I had to have, Simon used to translate for me. Because yeah. there were one or two people whose accents were that strong that they'd come and say something to me and I wouldn't have a clue what they were saying. And then I would look at Simon and go, he said... <laughs> and the other person would be like, yes, 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 okay. I know. Yes, I, I, did I, drive, um, I did used to drive a Ford Mondeo, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> when I moved out of the area, I mean, I didn't move that far, but, you know, I moved into Birmingham rather than from the black country. Mm. And um, and I'd also got a sales job. So, you know, you, you end up with that situation, don't you, that people can't understand you or you drop your accent a little bit. And it was a very conscious effort on my behalf to kind of like soften those edges um, for my job and I can remember going back I used to play football on a Monday night we used to play at um, Warsaw Football Club's training ground we used to hire it for for the evening and we had this we didn't really have a strip but we all wore the same colour top same colour shorts and then for a bit of a laugh we'd all wear the socks of the football team that we supported so I'd be in West Brom socks so well, I, I don't own football socks, right? It's, I'm, I'm not that much of a fan that I've got the full kit. you know. So I had to go back to the West Brom ground and buy some West Brom socks from the club shop. And when I got in there, I realised I was the poshest person they'd had in that day. And I am so not posh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, excuse me, could I, could I possibly have some large men's socks, please? <laughs> and, it, it, and then I realised that, you know, go back to see West Brom. And I stood on, I stood on the terraces as a season ticket holder for years when I was a kid and a teenager and stuff. 
I couldn't understand a word they were saying anymore. It had completely fallen out of my head. Yeah, that, yeah. That slang, really. It's crazy. <clears throat> the UK is so bizarre for that, isn't it? I mean, you yeah. drive 20 miles. I mean, I can go from here <clears throat> and go five or six miles north, and I'm hitting kind of um, I've got Mansfield and North Nottinghamshire mm. and the edge of Derbyshire. And it's like they'll, they'll say things like, can you see bod in field? I'm like, what? <laughs> There's a bod in field. You mean a bird? Yes, a bod. <laughs> bod in field. All <laughs> oh, right, okay. You know, and it's like that's six miles. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've walked between the West Brom ground and the Villa ground, um, which is probably, again, it's only like six miles, but one of them is like really black country and one of them is really brummy. And they're effectively, I think it's two roads is the difference between them. You know, it's mental how the accents change yeah. for our Kenyan listeners. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, I think we should probably wrap it up. Well, while you've been talking, and I apologise for not, and, and do you know what, I haven't got a clue what you've said over the last five minutes. because, <laughs> and, the, and the reason why is because I've been become absolutely transfixed with back with old editions of Argos catalogs. <laughs> I told you you would. <laughs> this is, it's, this you is, will this lose hours of your life. You seriously will. I lost, I, probably, I was in bed. You know, look how sad this is. Um, sat up, what reading the 85 and then the 86 catalogue. I was skipping through all, because I was doing it on my phone, so it's like page turn, page turn, page turn. You couldn't kind of zip through them. Getting through about 100 pages of just jewellery. Yeah, yeah. jewelry. And I got to the watches and I thought, oh, I'll have, no, 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 I'm not, wait, I'll have a look at these because I'm waiting to see the Casio watch with the calculator in it and like, yeah. all that stuff. So from there onwards, I was, you know, transfixed. But you have to get through the first hundred pages of tack. Well, it's all tack, but through the first hundred pages of tacky jewelry that you didn't, you weren't interested in as a kid to the stuff you were. Well, I'm yeah, looking no, at 1980 to 1981, and I'm looking at. Um... The handheld video games. I'm looking at car, car radios, and and the expensive ones had a cassette. Yes. Uh, do you remember Tin Can Alley, the shooting game? I do. Yeah, I do. I never had it. It was one of these things that was. I think they almost stopped making it by the time I was old enough to go and be allowed to have it. Let's put it that way. But I knew of it because it was one of these things that they were advertising on. TV at Christmas because that used to be the thing, didn't it? Yeah. All the yeah. Hasbro toys, yeah. all the games. Um, bizarrely, but in the eighty-five, in fact, the it might even be the eighty-one catalogue. But look at us, fucking corksnippers. <laughs> um, yeah, I remember. Yes, the Argos eighty-one catalogue has the Atari twenty-six hundred. But quite strangely, the year after, no games consoles whatsoever. Mm. So I don't know why. Strange because one of the years they have a Commodore 64, I think Sinclair's had X Spectrum, and then the year after that, and then again, all gone. forever, they're all gone. All so, right. it's like they, they, for, maybe they blew up so much that they were just like, We, we, we don't have to sell this in Argos anymore. Well, right. we really thought I was, I thought we were going to talk about Laney and Ivanes and Steve Vai and stuff, but no, the Argos <laughs> catalogue has <laughs> taken up most of it. <laughs> Hey, it's just what was on your mind. Yeah, um, I did. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, but this is now because this is going to be my new thing. I am going to lose days to this now. I told I can, you I would. See it. That is amazing. 
I'm I'm really pleased you came on with that. That's yeah. uh... it was Bill Bailey, wasn't it? I'm, I mean, I nicked his quote at the beginning about the laminated book of dreams. <laughs> yes, That's Bill Bailey quote. <laughs> oh, well, I think we should probably wrap it up then, so Ant can um, yeah. spend the rest of his evening sat in a darkened room on his own looking at Argus catalogs. You have a beer and knew that's it. You're going to be there. I know. I'm. I'm. I'm lost now. I'm gone. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that, Lee. Welcome. Welcome. Cool. Right. Well, um, unless you've got anything pithy to end with, Jace. Uh, no, I'm not a pithy kind of guy. No, not really. In which, in which case, seriously, thanks, Lee, for coming along. It's been absolutely great. Uh, we will, uh, we'll speak to you all um, soon. Um, if you, if you've enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe. Um, please like and please share. That would be fantastic. And. I'd like to sign off in Kenyan, but I I just haven't got a clue. Oh, yeah, I was supposed to look it up in Iceland, wasn't I? Oh, yeah, we haven't done Icelandic either, have we? No. Okay. <laughs> I'm really trying to stay quiet at this point. I know you can, <laughs> you can, really you can I'm trying to do accents on a podcast. It's going to end badly. <laughs> well, let's just call it a day at that, then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Take care. Thanks for having me. All no right. problem. Goodbye, everyone. Thanks for listening to 9 to 42, the podcast from the team at the Guitar Show UK. If you've enjoyed the show, then please remember to hit the subscribe button and share with other like-minded souls. For more information about 9 to 42, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at the Guitar Show UK. This has been an A Short Stories production. Hold up. 